Hi, friends. My name is Landon Wietrich. My co-host is Braden Knobloch, and this is Inquire Inside. Today we pick up where we left off last week in our conversation with Scott Wegman, pastoral counselor for Grace Christian Counseling. While the previous episode's topics revolved around Scott's background in dealing with anxiety, the conversation you're about to hear focuses on topics involving marriage and family. Scott has a powerful message for singles listening to the podcast as he talks about the aspects of our culture that he describes as toxic to relationships. Scott also talks about demonstrating commitment to your spouse and the value of parents having alone time away from their kids. I'm excited to have you all listen to the remainder of our conversation with Scott, and we're going to jump right back into it. Do you find, just in the context of the the home, marriages, family, let's talk about roles a little bit and, and just, just order. You know, from the culture that we're in, we look at the man as the head of the home mm-hmm. and, you know, and the, the wife as, you know, supporting the head of the home. And you're going to do a much better job at explaining that than I'm going to. But do you tend to see that that dynamic helps the family thrive? Wouldn't you say so? I would. I mean, <laughs> I, my life I have seen over the years that usually when God does something that it turns out to be a better idea than our ideas. I should say usually. I would say, I, I guess in my observation that has been the case. Probably part of what would have made families and relationships more cohesive years ago than what they are now, um, I would wonder if it was... Well, there, some of those things, they weren't even debated because all all the culture was just, well, this is what men do. This is what yeah. women do. And, um, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's as much of what impacts marriages today. There, there are probably other things that do more than that. But, um, yeah, having an undefined, you know, it's just so that's one more area to argue about years ago there was no argument. It was this way, even, you know, in, in, in some, to some sense, to some extent, I should say that a wife focusing on the, her strengths and a, and a husband focusing on their strength as a, as a part of the team is really a, a very positive thing. And, and there's, you know, probably parts of that where if, if there was like a traditionally, defined set of roles. The husband does A, B, C, D, E, and F, G, and the wife does J, K, L, M, N, O, P. You know, that that might not be as advantageous if the woman has strengths in one area and the man has strengths in another area. So sure. I don't know that that's quite as big of a deal, but, I, but, but, but you know, that's then that's another area to conflict over. And if your culture says the husband does these things and the wife does these things and you don't have conflict about it because that's what everybody has always done. So, uh, yeah, the, the freedom does that we have now in this culture, both from, you know, the, the, all the different movements that have freed, liberated various different groups aren't all good or all bad. I would think there's probably been some benefits of, of both, some things where we're just like, just, yeah, there. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, again, you, you read or listen to I, things sometimes that are historical, and, and there are definitely things that you think, wow, that I understand where that came from, but I'm not sure that was a good idea. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's kind of not as simple as that. We've got all kinds of things to find areas to find conflict about. Um, so we probably always will. And so, probably always will. How do you uh, navigate through material when it's so available, right? Like readily available. And I think, you know, one of the ones that pops out in my mind is Gary Chapman with five love languages, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden <clears throat> you've got a guy like Gary who says, you know, this these are the principles of marriage and we're driven by these five, you know, and then you got the next guy that, you know, says, no, these are the three, you know, and, and I can, you know, from my perspective, it's not, or from what I've experienced, it's not necessarily the, it most certainly is the material to a certain degree, but it also is just getting someone to help you apply that and actually hold you accountable to 
you know, whatever the outcome or results you're trying to, to get to. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting you bring up that, the five love languages, because uh, I'm, I'm working with a guy now who, um, struggling in his marriage, but he really likes the five love languages. And so he's really kind of taken to that. So would there be better resources for him to really just dive into? Probably, but I'm sure glad he's dived into something and, and I've seen it him use some of those principles. I've seen that help their relationship. And actually, as I've worked with him, um, you know, <laughs> I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I kind of was like, oh, well, you really like that. You're not so willing to listen to some other ideas. So maybe we'll just, we'll just go with the Gary Chapman thing. And I, I think it's helped him. I really do. So, but yeah, going through, I like, well, so like I said, I had two science degrees, so I'm kind of a science nerd. And then I did counseling classes. And I remember thinking, they call this science. That's different. Um, It's not the same thing as chemistry or physics at all. I mean, in chemistry and physics, in chemistry, if you add this much sodium, uh, hydroxide to this much hydrochloric acid in these concentrations, you will get this much of this product. It's not like that in psychology. And so there's, there are, there are probably quite a few good resources out there. I personally, because of my science background, I really like, um, and I use mostly something called uh, Gottman method or Gottman research Institute stuff. And they are not, and I am a Christian counselor they are not specifically Christian. Actually, the, the founders of the Gottman Research Institute are Jewish. But from my observation, as they have spent years researching, and they have, they're both probably in their 70s or 80s by now. So they've, sent, they've spent probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 or 50 years researching marriage. And it seems to me the conclusions of the observations that they make are that biblical ideas work as that's what i would see um so so yeah and and break that down a little bit i mean because when you say biblical i'm thinking broad mm, like there's okay um let me think well one of the things that they're pretty good at is they are talking they they have this whole thing i think they kind of developed this idea on something that's called a harsh or a soft startup so if you're in a conversation with your wife where you know things are not where it's a tense conversation something that might be maybe you guys never have anything like that but just in case you do um (laughs) you you know if you ever do where you're going to have something that you're like uh this one's probably not going to go good um then they do they suggest doing something called a soft startup they came up as far as i know they came up with this idea and and it is just a way of communicating that tends to be more effective and it's really a, a way of being kind and loving so you find that in the Bible. You don't find that specifically applied to hard conversations with your wife, but you do find the idea um, in the Bible that, that you should be kind. I think it's Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another, you know, things like that. And, and um, so that would just be one example of a principle that they've laid down as a way to interact with your spouse that's effective. But you think about it, it's like, well, that that really came from the Bible. That was a biblical idea. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, most certainly. How do you, um, you know, when spouses come to you, a lot of times they are, I mean, they're already broken, right? And it just seems like they're they're gasoline and matches, right? You're you're saying like when when they come in for counseling, right? When they, oh yeah, oh yeah, right. Sadly, a lot of people aren't out there looking for advice on how to make their, you know, from good to great, right? A lot of times when they hit rock bottom is when they go seek help. 
Yeah. Well, that's actually the, the research that Gottman's have done, too. They, they determined that it takes, I guess, with the number of people they surveyed, about six years after a marriage is in distress before they'll come in for counseling. So you can imagine that that doesn't work real well. Right. Which is actually one of the reasons why I'm really glad to be here talking to you guys, because I've seen that, too, just time after time. These are... Christian couples and they're just their lives are a mess and they're they've been angry and hating at each other for a long time and here come fix me. Well, right. you right. know, if you'd have been here five years ago, and so I'm again just thinking about it for myself and having a number of these circumstances where these couples come in and then they just go away. And I never hear from him again. And so I assume that they probably are divorced, uh, which might always not be true, but it looked pretty bad when they left. And I think, what else can we do? Because this is like, you know, this is like treating people when they're at the very age of stage four cancer. They, they walk in and say, hey, can you help me? You know, well, not now. And, and so this is why... I really want to try to not only do like what, what you guys have going on with the marriage counselor or the marriage seminar thing coming up. I want to do that kind of stuff. Even more than that, I'm trying to find ways to talk to single people because in my opinion, American culture is toxic to relationships. Um, I don't know if there's Anybody else that could really be accused of doing much more to damage relationships than Walt Disney? If you think about what most girls in America have as their ideal of romance, it usually comes down to Disney movies. And there's just start watching from like, you know, three, four years old. Exactly. And it's garbage. It's some of the worst ideas you can get, you know, um, the uh, little mermaid yeah. she she just basically gave up her identity for her for this guy that she's going to marry um i've actually got a list of it i've written some of this stuff down it's hard. i'm not doing real good remembering it off the top of my head but you can go through um ugh, there was oh uh, rapunzel they did a movie on that a while back and and so she basically the the her, the hero of the story the love interest of rapunzel that was in the tower is an outlaw you know like as a dad you'd feel really good well he, i'm in love with him yeah well so what does he do oh he's uh, he steals things you know i wouldn't as a dad i wouldn't feel very happy about that if my daughter came to me so the culture is toxic and i'm i'm this is next step is to try to work with anybody that will let me talk to them, single people about being married because it's, it really starts there. Mm -hmm. And as a culture, I don't think we've done a very good job at all of defining what makes marriage work, what makes relationships work. It's just, um, I think it's basically kids are taught mostly the things that sell movies well. And so, it's really bad information. You know, they, they think of that, they had that misconception of happily ever after. Yeah. And yeah. Where is that? By the way, I don't think you can find it. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. It, it's, it's like an illusion. And yeah. I love what you're saying here, Scott, you know, when you initially got to what you just said, I thought you were going to say something like, almost like continuing education, something like, like regular counseling for people. I thought that's where you were going with this, mm. which I'm sure you would be an advocate for that. But you took it a step even further back and you're like, we need to start with the single people. And yeah. Braden and I would concur with this because you think about even in, in the church, I'm, I'm going to say the word church with, you know, capital C, regardless of your faith or denomination. But, you know, typically marriages are a little more successful when there's faith involved and, you know, um, the divorce rates are lower, but then like Braden, you and I have talked like, um, what is just because those people are staying together doesn't mean their, their marriages are of, of equality, yeah. you know, and think about those expectations when you're, when you're single, maybe you've been in, in a dating relationship or maybe you haven't had anything like that. And all you've had is the books and the movies. You're thinking that 
we're going to be best friends forever. It's we're effortless. Gonna, it's effortless. Yeah. We're going to have sex all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, we're, we're, we lo- and even like looking at my younger self, like when I was engaged, it's like, we're never going to have, you know, trouble with fights and stuff like that. That's just, that's just not going to happen. Well, guess what? <laughs> and it, and like I said, just these, um, those, those false expectations, it's because then when it does happen, when you do have a fight, when you do go a long time without having sex with your, with your spouse, it does something. You're like, well, what's yeah. wrong with me or what's wrong with her? Did I marry the wrong one? Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is the reality of it is, is that happens in every marriage. I try living with somebody for 50 plus years, right? You know, yeah. those, those moments are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's what's not in the movies. So another part of it that's a problem here and maybe all the West, I don't know, really know um, how this is set up, but the, the promiscuous nature of the culture, again, it, it's, it just seems as if it's expected. And, and this is actually some of the research that Gottman's have done, too, that was, <laughs> you had a good question for me, Brayden. I was, I was struggling a little bit to think of exactly biblical answers or biblical examples. But so they, they were... I think it was them. They they've found that some of the things, that one of the things that happens in our brains during sex is that in in a male brain there are a set of hormone. One of the hormones that's secreted during sexual activity is I think it's called oxytocin, and it's a it's a bonding chemical. It it bonds us, and actually in in women, um, I. Th- I'm not positive. I think it might happen some in sex too, but it definitely happens. I think it does in sex too, but it definitely, it happens when a woman nurses her child. There's oxytocin secreted in her brain and it is a bonding chemical. And so when kids are told, as our culture tells us now, that, you know, anything goes and, and sex is a recreational thing, you can do it wherever you want, they are, they are really damaging their ability to effectively evaluate Mm -hmm. a potential partner. Because if you're going to have sex with them right away, then there's going to be some of this bonding that's going to occur to maybe a guy that just is a terrible person, you know, and and an awful person to be uh, a partner with, with them. You know, they may be totally different in different ways or have very different value systems or all these different things. And, and yet if they, if sexual intimacy happens right away, then you're chemically they, attached. Yeah. To and, and they can't see, right. You know, they, they, well, they, they will eventually, but it's going to take a while. The, the kind of the high has to wear off, so to speak. And I'm not, it's not like that those chemicals don't promote a high. I mean, it's just that, yeah, you're bonded for a while and it is going to take high. the, yeah, the garbage is going to have to pile up to a point where you finally say, well, you know, this isn't worth it. So <clears throat> there's, again, those are parts. I don't hear that being talked about really anywhere. And I would love to be able to talk about it with youth groups or, or churches or things like that. I mean, yeah. So I mean, how do you? I mean, how do you overcome that? The emotional or, or the chemical? Um, mm. You're saying like if someone has been promiscuous in the past, right? That or even picking a, a future spouse, right? For people that are single, because it is difficult when there is interaction. I'm saying not even promiscuous or sexual at all. I'm just, just an emotional, just high. an emotional infatuation, right? Mm-hmm. Right, um, because you're really not telling yourself the truth long term. Mm-hmm. But when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, whatever, it's hard to control that. Mm-hmm. It, so it's interesting. We were talking before about what culture used to be like, and at 18, 19, or 20, I I don't. You bring up a really interesting point. I, I don't know. I've wondered about this. At 18, 19, or 20, when my, so my, my dad is 99. Um, so when he would have been 18, they were looking at the draft for World War II. Okay. So it just, <laughs> the culture is allowing people at that age now here to be very irresponsible. Lincoln's time, settlement times, you had, didn't have that option. Well, there would be a very few people, the richest of the rich would have that option, but right. the rest of the culture did not have that choice. So you may be, maybe some of that, I mean, that's not, 
that's not at all an answer to your question. It's more of an observation. How can we, how can we make better choices around that? Um, I, I do think there is some teaching or training at, at a minimum that could be done because to my knowledge, there really isn't much of anything that's going on at all. And so, you know, if, if there could at least be some teaching and training on the fact that, you know, just because he's kind of good looking, you maybe ought to think about the fact that he steals cars for a living, you know, or something like that. It's like, right. those are, those are not, you know, that the, and, and, you know, a part of that is is probably some of the entertainment in the culture that really promotes yeah. those kind of messages. That yeah. there is nothing that matters more than how you look. You know, well, that's a terribly stupid idea, but right. that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen and it doesn't yeah. get conveyed, and that people don't believe it because they do. So. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I do believe that at least in part, there is a need for education on this because I, and I'm not the most connected person in the world. I just, I don't hear it. And I wonder if it would not do some good. I'd like to have, I'd like to try. I think the youth of today, they see something like abstinence as well. This is just something that can't, that comes from the church. It comes from the Bible because you have to follow rules and you're, you shouldn't have, be having a good time. And that's a complete lie because what you just told us is it's scientific that there is more reward mm -hmm. to only having one sexual partner and to only having that level of intimacy after there has been a period of time of emotional connection as well. Yeah. This is not this is not just Bible thumping. Right. And that's what I would love to see more of and and again I feel like the the idea of, of waiting until marriage has gotten a bad rap simply because like, Oh, it's, it's, it's the Bible and like these Bible thumpers and church, church people and stuff. And it, you know, um, I think one of the, the earlier episodes that we did, Braden, I kind of talked about how a lot of guys like Tony Robbins and different, um, well, you know, self-help gurus and stuff, they talk about things that will help you. And a lot of them you can find in the Bible, the things that they talk about, you know, how you should forgive and how you should show mm -hmm. gratitude and, be kind, like you quoted yeah. that that ver verse earlier, and it's like it's because he's, you know, uh, the Bible. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. He didn't just make these things up to keep people to for 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 no reason. Mm -hmm. He created he created science. Right. He knows what's going to be helpful to people. This isn't just because he wants obedience. The purpose of the commandment is for our good. Yeah. The purposes of the commandments are for our good. Just because we don't understand why doesn't doesn't change that yeah so that's i appreciate you saying that and and so teaching about that is is definitely something that would need to be done more i i i, I mean frankly um i deal with people in in a variety of churches in this area and i suspect maybe get in trouble here, but I really suspect that a lot of pastors are just afraid to even touch this because my observation is one of the things I ask couples when they come and talk to me is I'll ask them, so when did your relationship become sexual? Mm -hmm. And because it's, it matters, it's a part of what's, uh, you know, affecting them or, or shaping them. And <clears throat> it's pretty rare to find somebody that says, well, we waited till we were married. Yep. Which yep. is, it, it, I mean, and I, I don't know. I'm I this I I wish I had some better solution or idea even of this, but I hear that and I think, isn't that kind of the pastor's job? Shouldn't that be communicated? Maybe it is being, or maybe people just are ignoring it. I just don't know what to think about that. Yeah, that's a that's a whole can of worms because I feel like nowadays, just even the the Christian culture has become like, well, we need to love, we need to love, we need to be accepting, and so. This is my opinion. Again, this is not politically correct at all, but a lot of truth has gotten thrown out the, the door in the name of love. Uh, in, in that particular area, we don't do anyone any favors by saying, no, you should just go do what you want because it's destructive. It's clearly destructive. Right. And uh, this is a broad question, but in, in Scott's eyes, what, what, is a, what is a perfect marriage? <laughs> oh, my. 
uh, a perfect well, a perfect marriage is a fantasy because you don't right. you have two imperfect people. But a marriage where you're both committed to each other and where you are having the same goals in life is going to do a tremendous amount. Committed to each other, so <clears throat> you're 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 working on being a trustworthy spouse when you do that um that it just a lot of things start working working better and um that really that that's one of the the big things so committed to each other and what was the other one i said no, <laughs> the a common common goal common goals yeah and common goals head us in a direction um i I guess I'm kind of speaking from personal experience that right. my wife, um, I, I have thought of this an awful lot of times. Um, one of the reasons that I was interested in her was that I knew that her family um, had actually really been pretty mission-minded, and they um, they had adopted three kids, fostered and adopted three kids, and, uh, and Dawn was really involved in actually helping to take care of them. And so when I've done some of the crazy things that I've done, like, leaving a job at mid forties and going back to grad school and not really sure where the money was going to come from. She went with me. She didn't, uh, I mean, we've had our problems over the years, but uh, that was not one. She definitely was with me. And I don't think I ever heard her say, well, if you would have not done this, things would be easier. So on the drive up here today, um, brain never talking on the phone. We talked about having, that common vision with your spouse and the necessity for that. And I just shared with Braden one thing that I'm becoming more aware of is that either, either I, I have a vision and I, but I'm not doing a very good at a job at um, expressing it or explaining it to my wife. Mm. So it's hard for her to be on board or, um, you know, maybe, or maybe my vision isn't as clear as it needs to be. And I need to spend some time investing in that, especially with her. Um, and, you know, overall, my wife and we do have a, I do believe we have a shared vision and I'm very grateful for that. But there are some endeavors that I have and some, some places where I'm spending, investing like my time and so forth that I can, that we butt heads a little bit. You know, she mm -hmm. doesn't quite get it. And that's where I feel like I either need to spend a little, invest some more time in, Coming up with the, with the why? Why am I? What is the vision of, of you know this effort that I'm investing here? And then also uh, do a better job of just explaining to her. Now, this is this is where I see this going. This is the purpose behind this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and maybe a conversation about if if not here, where you know where is she? Where is she inclined to go? I see. Um, yeah, because. God gave the two of you to each other for a reason. And if it, if I, you know, talking about this, make it sound like everything was always just real simple with us, it, it's still not. We have differing priorities, but the reality of that is that I am better with her than without. There are definitely areas of my personality and my intellect that are, that are blind spots or not good places and oftentimes Dawn can come alongside me and help me in areas where I am not, or areas of weakness. So Hannah may have some, some things to supply with for you there as well. I believe that too. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, like sometimes you get, you know, whether that's your vision or your goals or your ideas, right. Um, and, and you come together and you have, your family goals, right? But she's also got a few personal goals. Hey, right? I was going to say that too, because she's got she's got some visions of her own as well, and right. I need to be willing and uh, make an effort to be aware of them, acknowledge them, and, and support them if I can. Yeah, yep. that yep. shows that you are committed to her, and that helps her trust you, and yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, trust goes so far. <laughs> it, it it does. It's it's so valuable. Yeah. I'm finding that out more and more. That's actually another Gottman thing. They they talk about how that those two are interrelated, and and so what we have control over is the commitment part. You know, if we can demonstrate that we're committed 
to the relationship and to her. And some of the ways that we would do that would be to, you know, also think about, you know, think about things from her perspective and then think, well, okay, so what would she want or where would she, you know, what is her priority? What makes her happy? Things like that. Those are the kind of things that build that trust. And as that trust is built, it, it does, well, this gets into another kind of therapy that's called um, emotionally focused family therapy, but it's, they really focus on this idea of, of the two people in the couple being well, their relationship being a safe place, being mm-hmm. like the place that you come home to. This is this is the core of where I rest, where I relax, where I get rejuvenated. And when you, as you develop that by being a trustworthy person, a trustworthy spouse, that's really big. And it, it um, you know, I don't know, you may still have differing goals and, and visions, but it makes your marriage the safe place for you, the, the place of refuge, the place of strength, the pr- place that you go to get recharged. I love that because there's definitely, sadly, some couples, and there maybe have been times in our marriages, Brayden, where uh, the home and our marriage wasn't the, the place of comfort and the place to relax and recharge. It, was, it could have been a, I, I'm speaking for myself, could have right. been a place of conflict, you know? Right. And like you mentioned earlier, sometimes it's easier, it looks more compelling to stay at the office. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> to just to stay away from the fires, mm-hmm. but um, you know that's that's not how you resolve anything you know, by avoiding. It's true. By not, you got to face that fear. You have to you face will. it, and you know, and I, I mean, I make it sound like that's easy because I'm a little further along the way than you guys are, with younger kids. I would imagine um, we're actually having kids leave, and yeah. in some ways that makes things easier. Sure, um, but uh, it's it's definitely. Your oh, I was that's what I was going to go to is that um, it was really helpful for me to go through that. Um, Kristen was a baby when they gave me this cancer diagnosis, and I you just I can still kind of go back to that and think, you know, I I thought I wasn't going to get to see them grow up. I want to be there when they do. So you you balance that with the other things that you're doing and the and the priorities that you're making. But I really would like to commend both of you because I appreciate this idea that you're being purposeful about it. Too many of us just kind of float along the stream and whatever happens happens and I think I think we're better stewards of the time that God gives us when we're purposeful. So appreciate both of us that. have had oh. That's all. Appreciate you saying that, Scott. Yeah, Both of us have had good parents, good examples. Right. Um, right. And then I do think that we recognize that what we have in our wives and our children is something to be fought for and to be cherished. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what you know, challenges come. You know, the bur- the boats have been burned, and good. We're going to do what we can. To, we don't want to just survive, and we truly want to want to thrive. Good. Right. And I feel like that's a big part of it, too. I mean, the pain of life is going to be there. It seems like that's going to be there no matter what. So you better choose. I mean, um, you look at marriages that are, yeah, you see a lot of them. They've been together, um, you know, for a lot of years. But, I mean, other than living together, they're really not emotionally connected. Their children are suffering the consequences of, you know, some of their actions in marriage and, you know, so on and so forth. And, um, it's, you know, from a spiritual side, it's like, well, we're called, our marriage is called to reflect the love of Christ, right. And the love and the, and the love that Christ had for the church. And, you know, if you actually think about that calling and you realize how short we fall, but also the responsibility that it puts on us to act, you know, and to, uh, take steps in the right direction. Um, you know, I think, you know, in the other thing I wanted to maybe touch on a little bit is just seasons of, of difficulty, right? Like, you know, I would say based on the story that you've given, you know, being diagnosed with cancer um, and switching of jobs and uh, raising young children plus adoption, right? Mm-hmm. Like all that. There, there had to be a point there to where, regardless of what you said or did, there was just a lot of unknown, right? <laughs> and t- I mean, tensions were just high. Oh, or yeah. Spirits were broken or oh, fear yeah. was running rampant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it seems like there's seasons 
of that. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what you do, you know, even in that process, I'm sure you sat down with your wife and hugged her and prayed and, and shed some tears of the fact that you were just diagnosed with cancer and there's not going to be, you know, money that they can just live on forever, right? And so there, there most certainly is seasons of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if you're in that season, right, like sometimes you just have to buckle down a little bit and understand like, Hey, like you're just in a really bad season and no matter what you do, you still have cancer. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can Mm -hmm. choose to have a good attitude and you know, so on and so forth. But, but there is those times to where it's like, Hey, it's not all your fault or like, you're not just a terrible individual because you're caught in this season of life. Right. Right. To where just so much has come. And I feel like there's great, innocent couples out there that most certainly find themselves in those circumstances as well. A lot of them are self-inflicted, but a lot of them are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that might go back to what we were talking to toward the beginning. This idea that everything is going to go smooth is a bad idea. And it's promoted in the culture by the advertisement, by the entertainment, and to some extent, in social media, by in, in a large part, social media, where you know everybody looks like they're doing great on yep. social media, and so it probably makes it a little harder then, because you know that goes back to the thing about the the country, the happy countries with the sad people. You know that's that's where we are if we feel like if things are going bad for us, and we look around and think, hmm, I guess I must be the only one. You know that's it, it's a different story when you know what's going on in your neighbor's house and the people on the other side of the street are suffering this or that. So yeah, we, <laughs> I, it, sometimes though you just have to continue. You just right. have to keep right. on going because, um, I, and it helps me. My faith definitely has helped me. I mean, sometimes, yeah, I, I think, you know, why won't God do this or why, or I get frustrated about prayers not being answered. Yep. Um, but on the other hand, I think, you know, for one thing, perspective is that I really haven't had it very hard. I, I can think of that, you know, so cancer, and so there have been times when the job is pretty uncertain and um, where the money isn't coming in like it was going. And you know what? Um, I can go over to this thing in our room, and I can turn a little knob, and hot water comes out if I want it, or cold water comes out if I want it. I sleep in a bed every night. I've got a roof over my head. Um I've never not had enough to eat unless I didn't want it. You know, those are the kind of things that I tell myself too, just for perspective. And that's why it's really helpful. I think sometimes even just to kind of learn about what other cultures and even other times in history, you think we've got it really, really good. I know. And that's not something you tell somebody that's dealing with depression and anxiety, but, but somebody maybe to point where you could be inclined to that. It might be a good thing to think about to say, you know, Yes. Stop it right there. Well, yeah. yeah, What I'm having to deal with is bad, but a lot of other people have dealt with a lot worse and survived. Yeah. I got one question about kids, and then I'll I'll turn it over to you. That's okay. Yeah. No. We can uh, we can can wrap it up from there. So um, I do feel like there's this there's narrative that's uh kind of being pushed around nowadays that just like you need to. in the home, the kids are what matters, and mm. the, the the home revolves around the kids. And I disagree with that. I I think um, the marriage needs to be the the ultimate priority. Yes, when the kid like I've got two kids right now. They're they're, they're two and a half and and uh, three and a half weeks old. Mm. And so right now, yeah, they they need us quite a bit. And so it's put a little bit of a strain on our marriage. I'll be honest because. They do need us so much, and we have very little time together. We have very little alone time. Mm-hmm. And so what Hannah and I always say is, you know, the better quality our marriage is, the better we will be able to contribute and give ourselves to our kids. Um, you know, we, we talked about Kent Heimer in a, a podcast earlier, and uh, he has that whole um, divert daily, mm-hmm. withdraw weekly, uh, maintain monthly, and abandon annually, yes, I believe. that's correct. 
and uh, all about being having that alone time with your spouse mm-hmm. and to truly work on your marriage, to invest and in your marriage. You're like, how can we do those? Yeah. <laughs> in this stage of life, yes. Yeah. And of course, there will be stages where you know, your time to be able to do that will be easier than others. But I guess, um, what are your thoughts on that, Scott, as, as far as like, you know, allowing the attention to be too much on the kids to where it takes away from the marriage. Did you kind of see that being a, a, a danger in a way? Oh, I would. Um, they need our time, but you and your wife need your own time too. You, you already said it, Landon, you can't be strong for them if your relationship is a mess. And I, I, would wonder if maybe some of that emphasis now isn't because there's more permanence in the bond between a parent and a child than there is between the parents. Mm. Lots of divorce or, and actually even divorce from what I understand, divorce is actually declining now because less people are getting married. But yes, you, you need to have, you need to prioritize time with your wife. Um, We, I, I'm not sure what to think about this, but I, I just toss this out here. So we got turned on to something when our oldest was young that was kind of a scheduling thing. And we did that with, with our kids when they were babies. It was a scheduling thing, and, and it helped us to have a little more time on our own. And then we would hear from other people that, no, you're not really supposed to do that. And then when we had twins, the doctors actually told us, well, you have to schedule when they go to bed and when they get up and things like that, and which was what we had been doing with the other kids. So that, that, has, that worked for us. I don't know what kind of psychological damage it did to our kids. I, I mean, some of them have their issues, so I'm not sure. But, uh, don't but we it, all? Well, yeah. yeah. But that, to us, that was beneficial. And it's, it's incredible the beauty of um, a man and a woman and I can give things to my kids that my wife maybe doesn't as well. My wife can give things to my kids that I, I can't as well. Mm-hmm. And um, just the beauty of that dynamic is, is so powerful. You hear, and I, and I don't mean to, I need to be careful how I say this just because I don't know all who is listening and, and uh, we just know how common divorce is. And I don't mean to talk down to anybody that has been divorced and it's uh, because as we've said, we know that marriage is not easy. And we also know that there's only so much that it takes two people to make it work. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I'm trying to say is if there is anybody listening that has been divorced, I'm not saying it's all your fault because I, I truly believe it takes two people to, to make or, or break a marriage. But um, you'll hear people say like, well, I, I would you know, do anything for my kids and stuff like that. And it's like, well, did that include investing in, in your spouse, mm-hmm. in right. their, in their mother, in their That's father, you know, mm-hmm. did you, did you recognize that? And I'm speaking to myself here. Right. right. I think of what I would give from, for my children, but I have to recognize that if I truly would do anything for my children, if I truly want what's best for them, I will invest in their mother because, um, they need her and they need me and they need us together. Right. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Right. Agreed. Yeah. No, I, that's a great point. I think another um, Scott, I'd like to hear your input on this, but another form of, or just responsibility is like when you start to invest in your kids and then start to have expectations for your own children and then start to define, you know, what successful children looks like, right? Um, that can get, that can place another responsibility. It's like, okay, so now you start to expect a lot out of your kids and try to push them you know, academically, you know, even spiritually and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and sometimes we as parents can get confused on what that looks like for our kids, what mm-hmm. success looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we want our kids to contribute to society, not continually withdraw and and um, consume, consume society, yes. right? We want them to be producers, <clears throat> not consumers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as how they produce and what that looks like, uh, can become, like we've talked about, even in personal growth, can, can become a very dark area because it, it you weigh out the balance of how much, how hard you want to push and what you're all giving up because you push so hard. Um, and, and I see that with our kids as well. It's like, 
you know, at what degree do I just, we just allow them to be kids to a certain degree, but also like our kids, you know, kids in general can accomplish a lot if you, if you expect that of them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that balance too, of just, um, pouring into your kids, expecting a lot out of your kids, but also just remembering their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Giving them some grace. Right. Right. So are are you saying Braden, like, where do you draw the line as far as kind of pushing them versus letting them be kids? Right. And I think, you know, from Scott's perspective as well, I mean, you're able to look back, um, at the past, how many years of raising children. And, and I'm sure, uh, whether you're vocal about it or, and I'm sure you talk to your wife about it, there's things that you wish you probably would have done differently or yeah. implemented or Definitely. just taken away in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious what, you know, what comes to mind when we talk about them. I'm, I feel sorry for people, you guys' age who are dealing with kids now. So our old, our youngest is, a is 17 and so the rest of them are some of them are living with us still as they're doing some preparation for college stuff or they're out or and on their own i can't believe you've got i guess it's been that long since i've seen your family yeah, Scott. it goes fast <laughs> it really really does but it's um so cell phones have been an issue and a point of conflict for us but a lot less then I'm thinking that they probably will as your kids get older because they're just, they are ubiquitous now. They didn't really used to be in the smartphone. Isn't that old and you know, that kind of thing. So, um, well, that's, that's an area that I would see as being really difficult. Um, how you deal with that when everybody else has one, but also knowing that we don't have to take our cues from the culture because the culture is doing some pretty destructive stuff. Right. And so, you know, how to do that, I, I would encourage you to have some expectations for them. I, I think they do rise to that. And again, you know, we go back to this idea of what history shows. What was that like um, 200 years ago? Would it, what would have been that, that been like here? 200 years ago, except for the very wealthiest of the wealthiest, they would have been working. And it would have been a privilege for them to go to school, you know, so the opportunity to, to educate yourself was like a, that was a pathway up. And, yep. and so those things are good. Uh, um, you know, so I, I think it's worth doing that, but what is the counterbalance to that, in my opinion, would be relationship you got to have a relationship with them too. Yeah. So if you're going to push hard or somewhat hard, then you need to have the relationship so that it isn't just like you're just a taskmaster. But you're like both. a healthy level of trust. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, trust. Yeah. Good. Good idea. <laughs> um, I, I was, I mean, I'm, and I say that and I would I'd say looking at our kids where they are now, um, I don't know that I always did a real good job of that. Um, sometimes it's just easier to bark out orders and, and some of that actually has to be done when you, when you have a family, our size, there's things that sometimes you just, you know, if if you're going to treat everyone always according to their individuality, you're not going to get anything done. So we had to do some of that too. And I mean, looking back, I don't know that it was all bad. I don't, I think it was, it was some parts of it probably weren't as good for some of the kids and, and, um, Yet overall, um, I think we tried to do relationships. And, and so I do, it's one of the things that <laughs> our kids are nowhere near p- perfect. Um, I don't want to give that impression, but they do, for the most part, they enjoy being together. And I feel like that is one area where I would say that gives me a lot of pleasure, happiness at this point in my life that they enjoy each other they actually kind of like each other because I, I don't know. So of the things that, you know, we've accomplished or failed at, I would like to think I'm, I'm taking that one as a win. Yep. Yep. And rightfully so that's, yeah. that will play a big role. And you bring up a good point just on yeah, the things our kids are going to be exposed to. Um, to me, I don't necessarily look like, look at it as an excuse or look at, it. I try not to look, 
at it as is too negative because then it can become overwhelming. Sure. I also look at an opportunity to raise some of the strongest kids mm. that, you know, society or the known world today has seen because of all these things that they will be exposed to uh, is going to be an absolutely incredible responsibility and, and opportunities that they will have. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, their grandparents would roll over in their grave to be able to even, they can't, they couldn't even process yeah. what some of the things that my kids are going to be able to see and True. do. True. So it's trying to balance that out. And we build would say, kids. It, I appreciate that. We would say, uh, kind of to go off of that, that um, a couple of our kids worked at McDonald's for a while. And we would tell them, it's not hard to shine at McDonald's maybe isn't the most politically correct thing to say either, but the people that work <laughs> no, at McDonald's, no, sure. it's right. generally true. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, it's an entry level thing and they, work. they have yeah. a hard time keeping people working. Anyway, the, the point though, from that is, yeah, you, you need to find that. So I, on the one hand, I don't want to discourage them because they were working and that's good. I got a job. They make some money. That was some, one of the things we really wanted them to do as a part of, acclimation into the culture and, and working well in society. But then we had to un- counterbalance that with, but in this particular situation, you can just be about as lazy as you want to, and you're still going to be better than several of the people there. So you have to be aware of that and you have to think about how that, how that, you know, applies to you, what you're going to do. And, and I think with your children, as you're talking about and thinking about that, it's the same thing. You're going to have, you know, in some ways they can be challenged much more than probably they'd ever be challenged and probably go to higher heights. But in other ways, um, you know, there, there would be people around them that will have expectations that are sadly low. And so your right. part of your job is, uh, you know, helping or, or temptations that, yeah. that are extremely dangerous that yes. you were able to crush your potential or your reality as fast as what you can today oh very true yeah it's uh the stakes are high right right but god is greater that yeah that's right we let scott go here you got anything else no i was thinking the same thing i I would ask the question scott as far as um you know if listeners want to get a hold of any i just gonna say yeah your resources where to find you um so i've got a website i guess you could go there it's grace hyphen c hyphen c dot org because the organization's grace christian counseling okay yeah, we'll put it in the show notes too that would be great and uh yeah there's contact information there probably email me would be the best way if somebody wants to talk or and your okay. email will be on that site yes okay perfect do I'm you want to share the email now or would you rather 95 percent sure okay. <laughs> would you be comfortable sharing the email um, yeah or? i would it's it's gcc dot taylor t-a-y-l-o-r dot mo m-o as in Missouri, at gmail.com. Perfect. And we can find that. We can put that in the notes as well. Absolutely. Scott, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's fun. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. I want to give a special thank you to Scott for coming on the show and sharing his passion for helping families. Please check this episode's show notes to get Scott's contact information if you're interested in getting in touch with him for counseling or speaking at your event. Make sure you're following the show on Instagram, at Inquire Inside. Thank you all for tuning in today. And we'll catch you next time.